Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rancho on AM 770 KTTH streaming live on all those smart speakers like Amazon Echo and Google Home. Joe Biden couldn't be bothered to comment on the Maui fires. That is what's trending. What's trending? The Biden administration. You see, Joe Biden is vacationing. He was over the weekend in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. He's always there. He's coming up on taking a record number of vacations when compared to presidents who served two terms. That's how many vacations he has taken. It's very, very close. And as he's there relaxing and catching sun, while Harry Sisson and all the other dum-dums on Twitter who are Gen Z paid trolls talk about how cool it is to see a vibrant Joe Biden at the beach or on a bike, Maui has been dealing with and Hawaii has been dealing with wildfires. He didn't have much to say. Actually, he didn't say have really anything to say except for two words because he was asked about the fact that more and more people have been announced dead as a result of the fire and that number is going to continue to go up. And he responded by saying no comment. This is the guy that we are told can save the soul of this country. This is the guy who we're told is the compassionate commander-in-chief. This is the guy who loves his family. He's empathetic. He's sympathetic. He's all the thetics, including puh. And this guy can't say anything like the country is with the people who are suffering right now. We are going to do what we can to not only get these fires under control, but to make sure this doesn't happen again. We're going to be there for every single victim who lost everything they own, nothing but no comment. It was such a bad look. Even his toadies on the left called it out. Some did it by just dipping their toes in the Biden criticism pond. You had Mehdi Hassan from MSNBC. He said that this would hurt him. He called it. An unforced error. Oh, wow. Really, really diving in there. Byron York from the Washington Examiner said, it seems like the president should have said something to say about, should have had something to say about that. Then you have another one. The largest wildfire tragedy in modern American history and the president has nothing significant to say about it. That's weird. That's odd. That's noticeable. For the outlets that actually reported this, it will hurt him, and it should hurt him. If Donald Trump was out golfing and he said no comment, are we going to pretend that we would have just gone on our merry way in the media cycle, or would it have been the leading story for 48 hours, 72 hours With questions about whether or not, well, I mean, this could be impeachable, couldn't it? That is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, of course, we didn't get anything out of the White House press secretary today. 
I mean, first she told us about, you know, how serious the fires are. Uh, to support the people on the ground. It's been a devastating devastation, as we have seen. You've just mentioned uh, the loss of life. It's a devastation, a devastating devastation, thanks to the loss of life. I mean, that's really serious. Will the president be visiting Maui at any point? I know it's a long flight. Well, you can take a nap on Air Force One. So obviously I don't have anything to announce at this time. Look, we're going to continue to have conversations with the administrator, certainly the governor in, in Hawaii, on uh, what the opportunities might be, what that may look like uh, mm-hmm. for a trip. But right now we just don't have anything to share. I mean, he still hasn't visited those people in that one town you don't care about with that train accident that we forgot about. But other than that, he truly cares. I do hope that once they have the conversations with the people on the ground, assuming he ever goes there, that, you know, they coordinate, figure it all out. Because Corinne Jean-Pierre appears to have no understanding who the lawmakers are or who the Democrat leaders are. Of Hawaii. Senator Harino, who I said the president spoke to uh, just last night, he thanked the president uh, for the immediate support of federal agencies have delivered for residents of Hawaii. Um, and so does has uh, so has uh, Senator Shorts. 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 Now, you got it wrong each time. Uh, first of all, Mazzy Hirono is a woman throwing that out there. Kind of feels like you should know the senators from Hawaii right now. Like, I get if. I just go to someone at random on the street and say, name the senators from Hawaii. And they might not even be able to spell Hawaii, let alone tell us who the senators are. I I get that. Journalists should probably know who these people are. And I would put the White House press secretary on that list. Brian Schatz. Not shorts. Not shots. You should also know that. So I'm just hoping that once they coordinate on the ground, They'll actually coordinate with the right people because otherwise you're going to call some guy named Mark Hizono. He's going to be like, yeah, I guess I could have the president over. And then all of a sudden he just comes over to a random home for brunch one Sunday. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? Weather apocalypse Mageddon. Yeah, it's still it's 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 still hot. I just it's hot. I just double checked. For those of you who are wondering, uh, it is still hot. It's 88 right now in Seattle. 87 in Fircrest, 90 in Gig Harbor, and then our friends in Spanaway. Not only is it 91, but the weather page shows little squiggly lines next to it. And I think that means smoke or wind. I can't tell. What are squiggly lines? It's not like heat waves. Well, why wouldn't guess. all the other ones have heat waves? That's a good question. Just that maybe they're special in Spanaway. Maybe it's a special kind of hot. In Spanaway, people are wondering, of course, what can they do to stay cool? And this year, I was not going to let people down. I wasn't going to let the television networks give you all the innovative tips on how to stay cool during a heat wave. I think that we shouldn't seed that kind of content. And so we've got some tips. Jason Rance presents innovative ways to stay cool during heat mageddon. Don't get too hot. Now back to the Jason Rance Show. Like, I feel like the people should follow. I'm not an expert in this field. 
But it seems to me if it's hot and that's your main complaint, you should not get hot. And I feel like that bit of guidance, advice is just as valid as what you get on. Oh, because they're on TV. They're so cool. I mean, I'm cool when I'm on TV, but oh, just because it's it's Como and Cairo and King and Fox 13. Oh, they're so cool. We should trust them because they said it on the talking pictures in front of us. This is just pictures. This is huh? just a guy in, on the radio. It's just some voice that comes out of a machine. Yeah, well, I have just as good advice as anybody else. Jason Rance presents innovative ways to stay cool during Heat Mageddon. Stay cool. Now back to the Jason Rance Show. I mean, now some people are saying that's awfully similar to the first tip that you gave us. But no, it's called nuance. And there's a difference between staying cool and not getting hot. What's the difference? You're already cool in that last tip. And I'm telling you to stay that way. Well, and staying cool would probably be the easiest way to not get hot, right? A hundred percent. Like, would you even be complaining right now if you were cool to start with? Probably not. Just throwing that out there. Graham, by the way, 93 degrees. Oh, my God. I don't even want to look up Yakima. That one's going to freak me out. You know they're triple. Probably like 130. 101 in Yakima. I'm out. I'm done. There's not a tip in the world that I could offer. Oh, there is a tip. Jason Rance presents innovative ways to stay cool during heat mageddon. Stay out of the sun. Now back yeah. to the Jason Rance show. That That's a perfect one, I think. Stay out of the sun. Did you know that the sun is the thing that creates the heat? It's this giant star, I think. And I think it's burning out or burnt. I don't know. I don't watch enough sci-fi films. But that's what's causing the heat. It's that yellow the thing. big, hot, circle, yeah. bright thingy. And if you stare at it directly, you could go blind. I thought that's how you got superpowers. No, you have to get bitten by a spider while staring at the sun. Oh. Everyone knows that, dum-dum. Don't you know anything? God. Push the button. What's trending at home? So we have an update on a story we've been following. Actually, it's an exclusive story. We're the ones who have been forwarding it. A landlord in Seattle by the name of Jason is dealing with an incredibly nightmarish, and I mean nightmarish, tenant. To the point where our poor landlord friend ended up going homeless. And this tenant has choose, chosen not to pay his rent, claims to be low income. And we learned that he has been allegedly renting out one of the properties in this little area that Jason owns to Airbnb. But we've got an update. Yes, we do have an update. We published the uh, original story a couple weeks ago, and then I was able to talk with Jason Roth and uh, Representative Chris Corey, actually, uh, who's a friend of the show, and we found out a avid listener of the show because he heard the story as we presented it, and he decided that he wanted to try to step in and help out Jason Roth. So he was able to contact some people uh, at Airbnb to try to get that listing taken down. Clearly, somebody is illegally listing on your site. Your customer service team is currently failing and addressing this scenario, so we need to do something. And it was thanks to your reporting that I learned about it. 
Now, Chris Corey. I'm a hero, by the way, just saying. Yeah, yeah, you are a hero. You were uh, able to help in this situation. And as of a week ago, Monday, we had heard that that Airbnb listing was taken down. Now, Chris Corey is a state representative from Yakima. He's a Republican representative from Yakima. Jason Roth had tried to help uh, himself out by contacting some people here locally, especially his councilwoman, Tammy Morales, for his district. And he just said it was unbelievably difficult to even get through to Tammy Morales's assistant. But yet uh, Representative Corey was able to even give him an actual phone call instead of just email correspondence. So Jason thought that was pretty special. Yeah. Um, Representative Corey called me, which was incredible because I got a couple emails from certain people, um, you know, expressing their concern, wanting to help. But he actually gave me a phone call, which was awesome. So that's how he reached out. So it's a big deal that this now is no longer on Airbnb. That's a, a big victory in this situation. But there still is a, a ton of work to be done. Uh, as of yesterday, when I last talked to Jason Roth, uh, this nightmare tenant still has not paid a single dollar in rent, still has not paid a single dollar in rent. But because the court systems are so backed up, still not even a hope at an eviction hearing date another at least 60 days wow really hoping that this would get done before winter time so i get back into my house but it's just crazy to think that um i've asked for a court date like a week ago i mean my lawyer has and we haven't heard back and i don't know why it takes so long yeah and because of just the laws i mean just think about that for a second how screwed up that is if you're in his position just begging to be able to go back into your own property to get it back from a dude who allegedly is just gaming the system yeah and we highlighted some of this in the first edition of the story a couple weeks ago jason is a, a skilled mechanic he's trying to put himself through flight school so he has he's um renovated a van and is essentially living in a van uh i mean he he said he's chosen to do that instead of searching for an apartment but but still i mean it's just it's ridiculous how much this has gotten stretched out the fact that he can't get into his place he also this is the part that just staggers me uh he was able to look at some of the airbnb reviews on his own home that's being illegally listed and he saw this repeat comment about an alarm going off and jason told me that he believed that that was the alarm saying that his sewer system is full wow. uh he said he was able to do an inspection of the place uh, a couple of weeks ago and he had noticed that obviously there's some deterioration going on the floor is trash and we have to redo the floor the um the, and it's funny because a lot of the things in that, that room were almost brand new when I rented the house out. So you can kind of get a gauge on how, how many people have been in there. It looks like it, it looks like people have been in there. I mean, it's going to be a lot of construction work to get it back to what it was. Yeah, I mean, you can just hear it in his voice. This is a, a guy who, who bought a home and he really just wanted to, you know, make some money rent it out, work with this guy who, you know, told him this sob story, basically, that turned out to all just entirely be a sham and now he's in the middle of a months-long battle already with months ahead of him jason said that he's not going to ever do this again i can tell you this for sure and i i I love seattle you know i lived lived here forever but i will be taking my if i become a landlord be taking my business elsewhere i will not be rebuying a house here if i sell my house like it's it's not i'm going to be a renter I'm not rebuying in Seattle. I can't afford to have to have this happen again. 
So we'll try our best to keep you updated on this. Uh, I, I continue to be in contact with Jason Roth, and he's detailed some just some crazy things. He was kind of like a, a block watch captain type person for this area that's down in South Seattle that's dealt with some problems with homelessness. And he said the situation on the ground, now that he's not living there reporting some of these issues, has gotten extremely out of hand. So I, I plan on going down there and document some of this a little bit later on in the week. But So is he is- the only one who cares about anything in Seattle? It's rather remarkable seems like i mean this guy seems like just a a very genuinely good guy that was trying to do something nice and support himself you know he's not these corporate landlords that you hear about but the laws are written in such a way that he's pretty much helpless in this situation and you just have to feel for him that the only lawmaker on his side is a representative from yakima is all you need to know about how little the city of Seattle cares about its residents and its business owners, which is exactly what he is, a small business owner. And it tells you how little they care about the reputation that they earn. How many times have we spoken to landlords on this show or heard audio clips, interviews of landlords who said, yeah, never again, I'm out. I am not doing this anymore. The fact of the matter is the landlords have virtually no rights, certainly none that they could take advantage of in a reasonable reasonable amount of time. And it's the people who cheat the system who are constantly rewarded. This dude is being rewarded right now, right? He's living rent-free, allegedly stealing, stealing this property, financially benefiting off of it if It's being rented or was rented on Airbnb, and he suffers up until who knows when, no consequences. We give the passes to the wrong possible people. Yeah, I got got just one last thing on this. So when I was talking to him yesterday, uh, he said he, he drove by the house, saw a brand new car, dealership tags, sitting in the driveway. So I I can't wait to get down there to confirm some of this stuff, but just everything so far is just so ridiculous and so out of hand. You just, you just really feel for this guy. So hopefully uh, we can continue to do some work, get some eyes on this situation. And hopefully within the next couple of months, try to get Jason back into his house. Now the story is up at KTTH.com. I hope you'll check it out. And just because why not? We noticed here in our building that there is a huge plume of smoke nearby. You can't quite tell where it's coming from, from our studio in the Eastlake neighborhood. It's a fire, clearly. Uh, You remember that encampment on the on-ramp to Mercer on I-5 that we've said multiple times is dangerous and, by the way, has caught fire multiple times in addition to having, oh, nothing, a dead body and a rape there. You remember that one? I remember that one, yes. It's the one that's on fire right now. It's on fire. And that impacts traffic, of course. It impacts the neighbors who now have a big plume of smoke coming into their apartments. I'm presuming the fire department has it under control. I haven't seen any updates since. But, yeah, it's on fire. It was on fire. You can thank, if you're the kind of person who likes to write handwritten notes, for example, and you go on Amazon and you can get thank you notes, like 500 of them for like 10 bucks. They are very 
you know, they're not very exciting. There's no design, but it does in cursive says, thank you. And inside it's completely empty for you to write as long of a screed as you think you can to just simply thank our friends over in the mayor's office, Mayor Bruce Harrell, the King County executive and everyone there, Dow Constantine. And of course, we can't forget the governor, Jansley. They are the ones who are responsible right now for the fire that is taking place because they chose for now about a year. Actually, it's been more than a year to allow this encampment that is a freestanding house now to exist. Free from harassment. Free from having to follow any rule. Not rules, just one. No, no. Not even a little bit. God forbid, by the way, you try to add a structure to your home in the city of Seattle or in King County, and you just decided to do it on your own. Imagine what happens. Oh, they come down on you really, really, really quickly, don't they? Unbelievable. Just absolutely unbelievable. 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text. When we come back, our friend Cliff Mass from UW will explain why the heat is here. How long will it be here? And going to Hawaii, are the fires connected to climate change? He'll explain. Plus, it would appear that President Trump is going to be indicted tonight in Georgia. So we'll be keeping an eye on that, of course. At the top of every hour, we'll have an update from Fox News. So we're keeping an eye. We believe that it's imminent. Add that to the list, I guess. You're listening to The Jason Rand Show. The Jason Ranch Show. Here to react, Seattle Talk Radio host Jason Ranch. And the rise of soft on crime laws and policies have made it worse. Our man in the Pacific Northwest, Jason Rance, is on that. And you keep on bringing her these extraordinary stories from Seattle. It's amazing. Long form. Well, it's hot. It's really hot. How much longer will it be hot? Joining me on the line to discuss why it's so hot and how long in ways that I probably won't understand, but he will try his hardest as Cliff Mass. UW Atmospheric Sciences Professor. Welcome back to the show. Thanks a lot. And it's not that hot here. Yeah, by, by Pacific Northwest standards, it is in fact hot. But you are correct. It's not that hot. So take us through exactly what's going on and please speak in terms I will not understand. Okay. No, I'll try to make you understand. That's no problem. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yesterday got into the mid to upper 80s in much of the western Washington area, but much warmer in the, in the Willamette Valley, and that's very important. You know, there's a huge difference between what's happening here in Puget Sound land near the water and the Willamette Valley, which is isolated from, mm-hmm. from the ocean influence. Uh, temperatures there got to around 100 degrees, and today it's good, in, in Portland and, and south it'll be 105. You know, that's pretty, pretty warm. There it is really warm. And I remember this happening last year, correct? Yeah, it is not unusual for them to be much warmer than we are during some heat waves. Um, And so, you know, that's part of the climatology of the region. I mean, they're isolated from the ocean. They have have the coastal mountains, the Cascades, and the higher terrain to the north. So they're in kind of a basin that doesn't get the marine influence that we get here up in Puget Sound. 
So anyway, they're going to be hot today. Today is probably the hottest day, maybe tomorrow, for us here in, uh, around in Seattle and, and neighborhood. Um, temperatures will get around 90 today, maybe even 91, 92 some places. And so it's going to be warm. One good thing is the nights are longer now than it was in June, and so the the lows will get down, you know, well down into the 60s. So it'll cool off en- enough at night that you can blow cooler air in, which is which is good. Tomorrow will be probably similar, but the good news is by the end of the week, we're going to transition out to much more normal conditions, temperatures in the 70s, and we should stay there. So I mm-hmm. suspect that this is the last major heat event for Puget Sound for the summer. Uh, the sun's weakening now rapidly, so I, uh, I think this is going to be it for the real warmth. But what about climate change? I heard it was responsible for every heat event. Well, that's not quite true. I mean, climate change or global warming, as I like to call it, you know, that's contributing a little bit. We've warmed up about two degrees Fahrenheit over the last 50 years. So if you have a heat wave, you know, one or two degrees of that, you know, we could be the cause of it. But, you know, when, you, when you're 85 degrees or 90, you know, that two degrees is a relatively small proportion yeah. of the heat wave. So most of our heat waves are still natural. They're, they increase slightly by global warming, but, but the main thing is natural. We're obviously also having fires burn right now in the North Cascades. It's not getting under control the way we had hoped. We started to see at least some stories of smoke in the area. I haven't noticed a ton of smoke, but what is this current weather situation going to mean for the fire? Right. Well, it's called the Sourdough Fire. It's in the North Cascades, and it's been slowly growing, and it's it's you know it's in pretty inaccessible territory. That's why they haven't been able to put it out uh, very rapidly. And actually, that's the only really significant fire in all of Washington State. Mm-hmm. Actually, we're below normal in terms of fire acreage right now, which uh, it may be surprising to some, but but we are. It's actually a very benign fire year for us. So in any case, we had this one fire, and so what happened was uh, yesterday the winds turned easterly over the Cascades. That means the winds go from the east to the west, and it blew some of the smoke down the Skagit Valley into the North Sound area, and then it pushed southward. So there was a little spike of smoke yesterday from that sourdough fire. It is better today. I mean, there's a little smoke coming across, but it's not as bad as yesterday. Um if you're right there on North Cascades Highway, there there's some serious smoke. So you got to put you got to watch it there. But it's not that bad here. So a little bit of smoke. But but once the winds switch tomorrow and Wednesday, that's not gonna, that story is completely over for us in Western Washington. Talking with Cliff Mass, he of course is UW Atmospheric Sciences professor. His blog cliffmass.blogspot.com. You've been writing about the fires in Hawaii, and already the, the moment that it started, you started to hear folks on the left immediately blame climate change. And a way they go about it is they either blame the fires actually starting on climate change, or they say it's made worse because of climate change. What is the truth? Well, I think the truth is extraordinarily clear. This fire, the Maui fire, had nothing to do with climate change, like zero. Um, I'll tell you what, what's going on there. They, this is an area where there's extensive areas of, of 
grass. And actually, the grass was more bountiful than normal because there was a lot of precipitation over the winter. You had a lot of grass. A lot of that grass is not natural grass. It's invasive uh, stuff that was brought in over the last century. So you have all this grass. And then they had an extraordinarily strong windstorm. The media really hasn't picked up on the truth of this yet. But what happened was we had very strong trades coming into the mountains of West Maui. And as the air sunk, descended on the western side of those mountains, it accelerated and the relative humidity plummeted. We call this a downslope windstorm. And that's what happened. The winds gusted to 60 to 80 miles per hour. And that destroyed the power lines, and that caused sparking. You know, it's possible there was some arson or some other things involved, but the power lines probably could do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And that ignited the grasses, and with strong winds like that, the grass fires move extremely rapidly with embers pushing it ahead. And that, and that grass fire descended down in Lahaina. And a lot of wood buildings there, if you've been there, it's a lot of wood. And the place just just burned up rapidly. So dry grass, extremely strong winds, and that's what did it. And climate change had nothing to do with this. You can't really do anything about the wind, but when it comes to the dry grass, it seems like that's something that we can work with and and mitigate any threats. That's true, but there's something else. We could warn people. The weather forecast models were clearly showing this threat the day before. And they they had a what was called a red flag warning, but they should have had way more. They should have had extraordinarily strong uh, warnings out. The other thing they should have done is they should have de-energized the power lines. This is happening in California when there's you know dangerous situations. They actually turn the power off. That's actually happened up here in the Northwest, and you know if, for instance in Oregon, they didn't do that. If they had de-energized the power lines before, when the forecast was showing it, they might have been able to have stopped this from happening in the first place. Uh, so um, their sirens didn't go off. I mean, I think there's some real issues about what's happening in Hawaii, about dealing with power lines and, and winds. And do you have any response specifically to the folks who will say it was it was made worse because the wind was made worse because of climate change again we always get that exact same response which is whatever the weather event that we're talking about the claim is as a result of climate change it has been more intense well you you can't just make that kind of stuff up that's these are just made up stories you have to look at the data you have to look at the physics you have to look at the models there's no indication by any of those that winds are somehow increasing in Maui due to climate change. And the question is, some, some people are talking about drier conditions the, the few weeks before. Well, that's meaningless because this was, these were grass fires. Grass dries out within hours mm-hmm. of being in dry conditions. And when you have warm downslope winds, those, that grass could have been soaking wet the day before, but it would have dried out in hours and burned. So none of these connections with climate change make any sense whatsoever if you, if you actually know what's going on. What, what can climate change do to wind? What kind of impact? Well, well actually, you know, th- th- there's no consistent answer there. It yeah. really depends on exactly where you are and the meteorology of the area you, you, you live in. 
For example, here in the Northwest, most of our you know our terrible fires on the on the western side of the, of the Cascades, either in Oregon or Washington, are associated with easterly winds, winds from the east, mm-hmm. and that was true of you know every major fire we've had on this side. Well, it turns out that if you look at the best global climate models, actually the easterly winds may weaken under global warming. So we actually could be better. Um, I'm sure there are, situ- there are other situations where the winds can increase. For instance, some of the strongest hurricanes might increase in intensity under global warming. That doesn't affect us here in the Northwest, but, that's pot- but, that- but some models suggest that. So it really is more nuanced that everything doesn't become more extreme under global warming. Some things do become more extreme. Some th- things become less extreme yeah. under global warming. You just It's more nuanced than some of the media is showing. Well, let's not pretend the media or activists are capable of having nuanced conversations around any of these issues. Cliff Mass, UW Atmospheric Sciences professor. You can, of course, check out his blog at cliffmass.blogspot.com. Thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. No problem. Pleasure talking to you. You're listening to The Jason Rand Show. The Jason Rant Show. Let's bring in our man in the Pacific Northwest, KTTH, Seattle top radio host Jason Rance. Great to have you with us to tell people a little bit more about this. Jason Rance is in focus now. Jason Rance, thank you for your reporting on that. The quick hit. Well, it would appear that the media has finally started paying attention to the Hunter Biden scandals, at least some within the media. I mean, Jake Tapper, for example, was at one point a very serious and respected journalist who Donald Trump unfortunately broke. He has moments where I think he pushes aside the partisanship that is expected of CNN and at least offers some criticisms of the left when he believes that they're warranted. The unfortunate reality, whether we're talking about Jake Tapper or someone else on you know the, the far left networks, whether it's CNN, MSNBC, or in newspaper form with Washington Post, New York Times, you have to do a lot to get them to offer even tepid criticisms. He brought up one of his criticisms with Representative Dan Goldman, the congressman from New York who comes off as an ambulance chaser. He is almost he's he, he's almost to the point of trolling in his defense of Joe Biden. Just nothing but gaslighting. And it has to be intentional. It has to be to annoy people like you and I. But he brought up Jake Tapper. Maybe now's the time to stop saying nothing is wrong, that that Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. If you're Joe Biden and you continue to say, no, Hunter did nothing wrong and just obfuscate, what ends up happening is people aren't really going to trust you. And, you know, getting an answer of, oh, well, nothing bad happened. There's no proof was what Dan Goldman said. And, you know, again, to his credit, he at least, Jake Tapper, he took little baby steps into the comments coming from Devin Archer, the former business partner of Hunter Biden. Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner, told you in closed door testimony that Hunter would put his father on speakerphone uh, with while he was meeting with his business associates, uh, and this happened at least 20 times, and Archer told you that Hunter would use these calls to send signals to his business partners to create the impression that his father was involved and helpful to his business, even if 
you're right, as, as there has been no establishment of any facts that Joe Biden did anything as vice president or president relatedly. But shouldn't President Biden have realized what Hunter was doing here, getting on the phone, talking speakerphone with his business associates? Did he at the, le- at the very least show a, a major lapse in judgment uh, and a blind spot w- with his son on, and how he handled this? So before we get the answer from Dan Goldman, it, it's th- this is where I say he's just sort of taking baby steps into it because it, it's very – in fairness, it's very clearly uh, a question that highlights a criticism of Biden. But he also then ends it by giving so much benefit of the doubt that no one truly believes. No one believes that this was just a, a lapse of judgment. He was just uh, – he was taking advantage of by his son and he was just blinded by his love for his son. If you're that naive, you shouldn't be president. No one actually believes that Joe Biden didn't know that this was influence peddling. But now let's get to the trolling answer from Dan Goldman. Look, I I think that same witness uh, also made very clear that they never discussed business, uh, that Hunter Biden was trying to promote an illusion of access to his father for his own reasons. So, okay. (laughs) The vice president of the United States participated in that. He did that out of, I don't know, greed to get his son and probably himself millions and millions and millions of dollars. Now, this idea of the illusion, I I don't even know if I buy that. Does anyone think that Hunter Biden, who was having conversations with his father about when to call and the reason behind the call, wouldn't then go and whisper in his ear, oh, by the way, so-and-so wants you to get rid of that prosecutor from uh, Ukraine that's looking into Burisma. You don't think that that conversation could have possibly taken place, not even a little bit? Uh, That's Hunter Biden, (laughs) and you can make it whatever judgment you want to make about whether that was appropriate or not. But the It, It wasn't appropriate. Everyone knows it wasn't appropriate. And let's be clear, if this exact same fact pattern existed between Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump or Ivanka Trump or anyone tied to the Trumps, this would be impeachment material. They would impeach based on solely what they have right now. President saying hello to people when his son puts them on the phone is not at all doing anything to influence uh, any policy. He's such a liar. And, and, And this is, again, this is why I say... It's almost like we are being trolled. He's pretending he doesn't understand the impact that a a vice presidential phone call would have on sealing the deal of a relationship, a future business relationship, or strengthening that current business relationship. He just wants to pretend that he doesn't understand. And I imagine there's someone out there who might be watching saying, well, he's a really smart guy, and even he doesn't think this is a big deal. I mean, it's just a father saying hello to his son. There are lots of naive people out there, and he's taking advantage of them. And this is where I do say shame on Jake Dapper for not pushing back and just saying, "Uh, no one believes what you're saying, and neither do you. So let's have an honest conversation here to uh, use his position for uh, any nefarious purposes. And in fact, what we do know 
is that the only official action the president took related to Hunter Biden's business interests was detrimental to Hunter Biden's company business interest. It was detrimental to Burisma, as Devin Archer, this new star witness for the Republicans, said, because the uh, Burisma had the corrupt prosecutor general quote, and I quote the witness, under control, and that <laughs> that was a good thing. For then why did Burisma want to get him fired? Again, this is all banking on you not knowing basic facts. Then there's Jeff Zelaney, a CNN national affairs correspondent. He also discussed in a critical way, at least what would be seen as critical, the political implications of all of this. I think politically it uh, removes some of the moral high ground that he might have against you know, all the Trump accusations. And among Democrats, it probably doesn't matter. Uh, but among independent voters who are like, you know, uh, just this is why we don't like government. They all just smell a little crooked here. I think that could be an issue. And also, perhaps most important, how it directly impacts the president's thinking in his head. He is so defensive of Hunter Biden. And I think mm -hmm. that this has the potential of, uh, of really agitating him. Um, and, you know, or, or just being cranky old man. Right. I mean, let's, let's just call it what it is. That's how he comes off. Cranky old man. Crotchety old man. You, you've annoyed him, you've taken away his sweets, and now he's yelling at you as if you're a park bench and he's alone in a park somewhere. I just think it's a bad look, but we don't know how long this is going on. But Dylan's right. A trial does not have to be unfolding here. Uh, no one wants a special counsel. And this is the second special counsel that is looking into the Biden uh, family, if you will. I mean, the other one is still looking into the uh, president's uh, handling of classified documents. So you don't want a special counsel because it opens a, a box and a door to who knows what. Except you do want a special counsel that is going to favor you, which is what folks like Nancy Mace think. State, rep or state representative, congresswoman from South Carolina. She was on Fox Business. The same people that were trying to cover up and obfuscate, hide information from our committees, whether it was ways and means, judiciary or oversight, are the same people that are going to be involved in the special counsel. And that's an important point, right? If you're going to have to have a special counsel, you would want one like David Weiss in, in the case of the Hunter Biden nonsense fiasco because he's going to, it would appear, help cover things up he gave a sweetheart deal to hunter biden before what makes you think he's not going to treat him with kid gloves this time around 1-800-465-8770 you're listening to the jason ranch show